Gregoire and Dan Beetson are smart enough to know better. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better. It's a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Greg Wah. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better... I am going to be talking about questions. And I'm going to explain why people are getting smarter and taller. And wait, look, up there in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? It is neither of those two things. But before we get to those... What has happened to you this week in science? Well, what's been happening to everyone in science, Dan? At the time of recording, we have two days until, until the new horizon. Pluto crashes into a satellite. <laughs> That's right. Well, all the other way around. The, uh, the uh, yes. You say potato, I say <laughs> potato-shaped moon. That's it. So, uh, yes, new horizons uh, took off in 2006, and human beings have sent this craft, travelling at about 16 kilometres per second, blasting through space faster than a bullet, and it's going to go between the dwarf planet Pluto and its moon Charon. How do you know which one's the moon and which one's the dwarf planet? Because the planet's bigger and Charon's smaller. Aren't they just two moons orbiting each other then? Two moons orbiting each other. No, that wouldn't make any sense. Why are they two moon dwarf has, planets orbiting um, each other? Because Why can't is, they be two dwarf planets? Well, I suppose they could be. They, they Well, once again, sometimes people say that the Earth-Moon system's a dual point system as well. But it's not. Yeah, it's, but, the, they're around, but, the, but the point that we're orbiting is, around is, is inside is underneath the, the Where the, Pluto is actually outside. It's actually outside of Pluto. They're just duetting. They're like spinning around a, a, a point a in sense, space. Well, that's what, that's what two that's bodies adorable, do. adorable, isn't it? That's what two bodies it's, do. It's really sweet. No. It's like they're in love. No, it's not. It's just but gravity. gravitationally, it's not just, emotionally. It's just gravity. Anyway. Okay, it's, gra- it's, it's, it's gravity love. It's gravity love. That's, that's uh, my new theory. Anyway, anyway. Everything is attracted to each other it's, with its, we've with gone, its, gone terribly its subatomic this is not genitals. What, it's not what I want to talk about at all. No, no part of this is what I want to talk about. The point, <laughs> something very important to talk about is the time people listen to this, there would be two days would have passed or three days would have passed or more days would have passed and you'd know more about the Pluto than I do right now because it's taking pictures. You can go and look at these pictures, lots of cool pictures of Pluto and Charon and Nix and Hydra as well. And But this is really cool. So this is something we've never done. We've never sent it out that far. Uh, and I think this is really important for humanity. We're an ape who sent us basically a car over 10 years to something that's very far away. Do you know what our previous pictures of Pluto was? A smudge. 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 A little smudge. That's right. And now they're looking at these these rings. It looks like it's got like holes in it all the way through. Maybe not holes. They don't know about these black areas like like the, the seas Swimming on the moon. Pools. Who knows? Hotels. Or, or big missile launches. Torpedo launches to fire at us. Oh, once we work wouldn't out it be amazing if it was like big cannons? That's, it, that's what it was. And it's just this really angry looking round robot. Anyway, I'm really excited. That was my week. It's just been nothing but hearing about that and like five days ago it was like we're one pluto day away away from pluto because pluto's day is about six days long and six earth days long and all this cool stuff so every day i'm actually following new horizons on twitter so it just sends a photo here's another photo i'm getting closer here's another photo i'm getting closer you're like this is so cool i'm very excited so that's what i'll be doing yeah because not landing there it's just it's not even stopping it's just hurling past at 16 kilometers a second so i take photos hey baby click 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 ah these are all useless they're very very blurry photos but I'm sure it'll be very exciting now there was a horrible moment a very very exciting moment when <laughs> they sent these commands to New Horizons it was already doing something kind of intensive with its computer and then they suddenly went here's a big command and it went oh! And it just it shunted it all to the backup computer and then shut down the main computer and went, I'm out! And, and it's like, why does this picture of Pluto look like a giant spinning beach ball? <laughs> and, and that was horrible, that moment of could you imagine uh, nine years, almost ten years, and the damn thing goes, blue screen of death. And you're like, oh, 
crap. And then it all worked fine. It took them just under 48 hours yeah. to get it back going. But everyone was like that. Mo- and NASA was like, no, 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 it's fine. This takes time. It takes four hours for the signal to get to Pluto. And so four hours and four hours. But it takes eight hours to go, hello, are you there? Wait eight hours. No, no nothing's coming back. Hello. <laughs> That's why it takes so long to go. Start oh your start your bastard. Start, you know, control out delete. Control out delete. Yeah. Can we can we skip the memory test? <laughs> it we'll goes through. It took I think it took twenty hours to run through its checkups. Because you don't want it to scrub. You don't want it to go you want it to go it has one computer, it has two computers, backup computer. So it sits there and goes, check the main computer, check every part, every damn memory register. Is everything cool? Everything's cool. Are you sure everything's cool? Check, check. Yeah, okay. Now we switch it back on. Defragging, it, new horizons. It's, oh, Please it was, wait, 48 hours. It was a scary moment, but it's back and it's doing, and I, and I, oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know about it, go and look it up. I'm sure the internet will be alive with this kind of stuff. That was my week in science. And when my week, next week in science, in the next podcast, I'll probably talk about how awesome. New Horizons was and what we learned and now we all bow down to the Cthuloid monster that lives on... on or it'll be really dull. It might be dull. Like, oh, it's so dull. It's just... It's, it's, it's everything that we've already seen before. It looked just like Earth. It looked <laughs> just like Earth. It was so boring. <laughs> and, there, and there was like Pluto Dan waving at us. Oh, we just didn't care anymore. And they said they're sending a probe to us with a bomb. No. Uh, look, it, it, I, I guess if you're not interested in solar bodies, or solar system bodies, then I guess it wouldn't be interesting. But Unless it's covered with dinosaurs. <laughs> Maybe that's what they went. <laughs> they, they all got blown off the earth. <laughs> 16 metres well, kilometres per there second. There you go. Because well, Charon's a different colour to Pluto. It's, it's covered with something else. I think maybe it's a bit of the atmosphere from Pluto. don't really know yet. But, but it could just be raptors. It could just be raptors. 20 feet deep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got I got a riddle for you. Yes. In Australia, it's been around since World War Two. Right. California in the eighties. Right. Now it's in, invading the UK. Right. Do you know what it is? The upward inflection it of your voice. It certainly is. <laughs> Should I not ruin that? I nah, realize... yeah, no, because you're smart. Because <laughs> you're smart, and that was pretty obvious. Okay. And I did introduce it at the beginning. Yes, you did. That's like, a, we already knew it was yeah, about questions. I, 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 good. Okay, yes. That's about the... <laughs> and also, the shit-eating grin on my face every time I did it. <laughs> That sound that you're listening to is called the high-rising terminal. High-rising terminal? That's the one. Australians are well-known for this because it sounds like you're asking a question. It's sometimes called the Australian question intonation. The Australian question intonation? Ah, you got it now. And it's not going to get tiring at all over the course of the next hour. I'm good. Okay. There's been some research that states that this quality in the voice makes the speaker seem insecure. And that it's less likely you'll succeed in business if you use it. So all, all these business mm. people, if they hear it, they go, oh, no, we don't want to employ this person. Mm. They don't have a go-getting attitude to making statements. Well, yes, it's not a statement. It does sound like a question. So you go, yeah. we'll make a million dollars next year. You go, will we? Or we won't. Yeah. Are, you, are you questioning our profit margin today? Yeah. But um, I did a little bit more digging on this. And the people who were polled about whether or not it made the speaker seem insincere, were the managers being asked what they thought. Like, it wasn't an experiment. Right. It was just a poll. It's a, it's a survey, and a survey is the lowest form of statistical data because it's just people's... What do you think? Oh, this. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah, whatever. It's That's not, the opposite of science. Yeah, well, it's, it's not... Yeah, there, you can get some... A big yeah. enough survey, you can get enough information. But yeah, yeah, it's not the best. It's not good. But some more recent research shows that leaders of a peer group are more likely to use the 
high-rising terminal in their declaratives than the junior members of the particular peer group. George Bush actually started using it more, more often the longer he was in government. This is so, uncertain. I'm the president. president. <laughs> See, he, he started off going, weapons of mass destruction. Mm. And then at the end he was like, weapons of mass <laughs> destruction? <laughs> Please don't hit me. <laughs> the rising intonation at the end of a statement giving directions, for example, implicitly asks the listener to confirm that they understand what they've been told. Oh, okay. And so you have managers and stuff. Yeah. Like managers are using it more often than juniors because the junior isn't going to ask someone else whether something is... Like it's, it's not right. that you have that patronising, that vaguely patronising tone. Yes, it's 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 that sense of now we need to move that money across by Wednesday, Jenkins. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, Peter, uh, what's happening? Yeah, what's happening? Hey, can you get those TCP reports on my like that <laughs> yeah. sort of? If you're asking a question with your voice, yeah, can you get those reports to me by Friday? Because because managers, whenever they talk to you, are generally looking for you to go. Nod, nod, nod. Yeah. Yes, I'll do that for you, sir. Mm. It's, it's interesting. I like that. It's it's the question command. Because yeah. no, no one likes to be commanded, even though no. in Australia especially, you don't like to be commanded in your boss. Your boss is your boss who tells you what to do or you get fired, but you still have that realistic... Like, I, okay, let me tell you, I had a boss in the past who made it... like, And I, I used to call him boss. Like, hey, boss. And he called me in the office one day and said, please don't call me boss. And, and I said, well, why? I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. And he went, oh, I, I'm not your boss. I'm not your boss. I'm just part of the team. I was in one of my moods and I went, a team member who can fire me at any moment. And he went, I'm no longer your boss. Pack your desk, (laughs) Mr. Wah. And he kind of gave me a funny look, but I I wasn't trying to be clever. I was just trying to point out, yeah, well, we are all team members. That is absolutely correct. But some team members are more equal than others. So by saying, Greg, go do this, we go, oh, it sucks. But you say, Greg, can you do this? It's a question command. But yes. Oh, sorry. Just go do this. Go pick up that thing from over there and bring it here. The bins need emptying. Yeah, the bins. And then you go, I've just been told. Yeah. But in a polite it's, way. It, and it's, it's almost, it's kind of a little bit passive aggressive. But like you don't be. You don't want aggressive aggressive in an office environment. <laughs> Grab the money back. I will bite you. I've got the bins, sir. I've got the bins. Sorry, boss. Team member. Team member. Alpha team member. All the women are mine. Alternately, it can be used to stop an anticipated interruption as well. Mm. Uptalk, the researchers found, could also serve a strategic importance to a technique known as floor holding, in which the speaker, anticipating an interruption by the listener, tries to stave it off by using a rising tone at the end of a statement. It's the vocal equivalent of holding up your palm as if to say, wait, I'm not yet finished. Oh. Because I can make a statement. Hmm. And it sounds like I've finished. Full stop. Full stop. Mm. Full stop. Is a, I can make a statement. I can make a statement. And there's a hanging... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. so you've got more to say. Sort of colonising the conversation. Yeah. Right now, female mm. up-talkers do this more than male up-talkers do. I was going to ask about this. The time spent up-talking... Mm-hmm. 60% of the time that women were up talking, mm-hmm. it was to do the floor holding stuff, right. as opposed to 28% for men. Oh, I see. Right. Which could indicate that young women were generally interrupted more than men. And this So been, it's a defense mechanism. This has been shown many times. That's in different lots of studies. Men talk over women all the time. Yeah, it's weird to watch. Like, once you know to look out for it, mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit. It's weird when you notice... I just did too. Uh, it's weird when you notice you do it. When I read about it, it was a couple of years ago, I started watching my own behaviour and went, ah, oh, I just did it. Mm-hmm. I just did it again. 
and then I sort of had to stop. And in fact, with the frog princess, as uh, your wife, mm-hmm. the frog, I learned I learned not to do it because I was a a woman and b not an English first language speaker. Oh my god, I love to talk over that woman. I just seem to enjoy talking over her at every opportunity. She trained me not to. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Was... I used her as my experiment to if I can get the frog princess to have a conversation with me where we have an equal conversation. I've learned something. Yeah. There. So it was yeah. Anyway, but it's not static amongst generations. Like it started up uh. in Australia in the 1940s or so, right? Just after World War II. Mm. But it, it keeps changing and it's sort of easing its way through different cultures. So I expect that Uptalk, how it's embraced and how it's perceived, will actually change quite a lot as the years pass. It's mm. not sort of a and what it's used for lockdown thing. Yeah. Yes. I guess also with global communications now, people can hear it and and use it, and also we travel a lot more. Well, that's the stuff. problem. Is all these people in the UK are growing up watching Neighbours, <laughs> the fools, and so all these business people in the UK are like, well, we come from the old guard, don't you know? <laughs> Dan, what are you doing at this rally? These people are protesting against marriage equality. I know it's a slippery slope, Brittany. If we let people of the same gender marry, then who knows where it ends? Maybe we'll be able to marry dogs. That's stupid. A total logical fallacy. Is it, Brittany? Is it? When medical marijuana was legalised in some states of America, within six months, people were allowed to smoke dogs. Getting high on a toke of the old chihuahua. Um... And in 1962, when Indigenous Australians were allowed to vote in federal elections, it only took three years before dogs were allowed to vote as well. And now we have Prime Minister Wapples, the most damaging and dangerous leader of the country since Federation. Dangerous? Prime Minister Waffles has sound economic policy and is taking hugely progressive steps towards a better future. No, Brittany. He's a bad dog. Bad dog! You may have heard in the past of the Flynn effect. Yeah? No, I haven't. You haven't heard of the Flynn effect? Okay, the Flynn effect is the concept that each generation is getting smarter than the generation before. It's shown on IQ tests that each each generation, the IQ of them is going up quite considerably, quite a few, like like five points or so IQ each generation. So the idea that the future generation, you go, those kids nowadays, they're all dumb. They're they're not. No, they're smarter than you are. They're probably, and and what kind of that shows is, because 100 is average. Yeah. Most people on the bell curve, 100 is average. Yep. So 105 is where, where the kids are. So it, you're probably, I read this once, that if you but think... then it, it shifts. If you think your grand... Of course it does. They become the new 100. What that means is your grandparents were probably... You can almost consider them functionally, mentally challenged. Yes. Because yeah. uh, you're going to get pretty like sad. morons. Like but, scientifically a morons. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's a bit sad. But anyway, so Flynn Effect. Now people... Oh, no. That, but that means that... In 40 years? We'll be morons. Oh, no. That's right, yep. Well, no, I'll be average, but I don't want that either. <laughs> I'll still be better. <laughs> anyway. No, that, I, oh, that's not fair. The kids are catching up just by being... Now, that's, I'm not here to talk about the Flynn effect. I just want to give people that information about the Flynn effect. And it's still being argued about, is this a real thing? Is it just better on tests, IQ tests? Are you just better at doing IQ tests? Or are you actually smarter across... Lots of things you do. Maybe the IQ tests are getting easier. Maybe they're getting easier. You just yeah. keep telling yourself that. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, that could be something tested. Now, from the research I've done... Mine involved lighting a fire, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> making a wheel. The, the oh, don't effect, remind I, me of all, the wheel issue. All, oh. all the research I've done on the Flynn effect does seem to show that it is a real thing. It's not just testing tests. But I'm not going to argue with that today. 
So why are we getting smarter as a race? And interestingly, we're also getting taller. Human beings, each generation, are getting taller. And <gasps> to begin with, people, I know. people thought it was uh, I know. nutrition, but maybe not. No, that's yes. not, not what, what I'm thinking. What do you think it is? I think that we're, we're getting taller to, so that our heads are, t- are more above the pollution <laughs> and, that the, and that Chad is making us smarter oh, by really? making it brighter and like plants. Or, or maybe... I didn't think this through. The I, light... No, the light... Because in your pituitary gland, there, there are cells in your pituitary gland, which are like really deep in your brain, that actually are light-sensitive. So why would you need light-sensitive cells in your, inside your brain? Some people have called that... That's what they call... They seem, that might be the third eye. It's nothing... No, I'm not even going there. But anyway, uh, it's not. But it's just... You know, you can see why... Oh, it's light Maybe as you get taller, the light is going to penetrate your skull... And, and light up your brain. Is that why I always know when what I've eaten is a firefly? I'm in an odd mood today. Yeah, I think we're both in kind of odd mood. Anyway, so now there's madness. The University of Edinburgh, so a good Scottish university, looked no, at... They, they, yeah. Oh, no, hang on, hold on. The, the Scottish University, of course they're going to say that it's not about diet. Have you seen their diets in what? Scotland? <laughs> I went there for th- two weeks and they came back six kilos heavier. <laughs> Well, that's your diet in Scotland. That's not the Scottish diet in Scotland. And it was all artery. Like, there was no fat. Like, there was, like, I didn't have a bigger belly. It was just my arteries were just, like, hose pipes. (laughs) Full of concrete. Like, like a, like a, like like a bladder from inside a bicycle wheel. Ew. (laughs) Anyway, some researchers from the University of Edinburgh, who are wonderful, normal human beings, no matter what Dan says, looked at data from over 350,000 people from over 100 different studies and looked at the similarities in their parents' genetic code. So what they were looking at was people who uh, had children with people who were similar to themselves. Ah. And what they found... Like the royals. Like the royals, yes. What they actually found was that if you have a baby with someone whose genetic code is very different to yours, you have a much greater chance of having a tall and or smart child. Oh, wow. So you should try... If you really love your children, don't marry the girl from down the road if you'd be living in a small town who's all in the same family. You should go across the world, travel... Cause that's, that's the whole point. People travel now. These people mix, and they're mixing the human race up. And we have a much... You, want, you, will, you will probably have better children, smarter and taller, if you mate with someone who comes from a long way away genetically from you. If you are a white Australian, go and mate with a black African person. Because that is the best chance of having tall and clever children. That's he, he says unscientifically. unscientifically. <laughs> like that, I mean, it makes sense too. Because mm. just it's you, you make, you're having a much more diverse genetic pool to draw from. That's right, with, from very different backgrounds. Now we all come from a similar ancestor, but that's a long way back. Now uh, here's my unscientific thought processes. That's the science of it. Dr. Peter Joshi of the University of Edinburgh. That's the results. That's the, that's, that's that's the shoulders the, upon which we are going the, to leap, leap that's blissfully right. from. Now I've heard, and I'm not, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm bad at this, I don't, but I've heard that many people find Eurasian people, so a mixture of Europeans and Asian people, like parents, very attractive. They consider the most attractive people in the world. That's now I don't like have Lucy Liu. Uh, is she Eurasian? I don't know. I'm trying to. I don't know. I don't. I can't. I so she's. She, oh gosh. I don't know. I feel really anxious. But I don't she, know. She looks. Ang- she looks Asian, but she has freckles. 
But does, I don't I know. feel like I'm about to fall into a terrible trap. <laughs> well, I, I honestly, I can't say. I've just heard this. this a lot of people I've talked to, anecdotal, or anecdotal stuff, say that they find, in Australia, find Eurasian people very attractive. The, the combination of Asian and European features is a very attractive to European people, I should say, mm-hmm. or European extraction people like Australians. So I don't know. I'm just, my brain now went, maybe that's because you're looking at them going, oh, there are good combination of distant and disparate genetic uh, differences. Hmm, if I made it with them, I'd be able to jump on that line of goodness and make better babies. Jump on that line? I don't, I don't know how to make babies. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, okay, okay. Hello? Is Mr. Wall there, please? <laughs> Speaking. Uh, uh, okay. Um, what? This is Mr. Wall. It's Mr. You're, you're Mr. Wall. That's right. What's this about? Um, is... Uh, is your fridge running? <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> check it. I don't know how you knew, but you've just saved me a huge amount of spoilage. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Hello? He hung up. Sexy pillow fight? There is an animal in the world that only needs a single feather to fly. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the Cryptozoo. Icarus. Dumbo. Oh, not Icarus. Not Icarus. He has a whole wing. He's got two wings full of feathers. Oh, okay. When he only has one left, that's where the problem is. Oh, I see. But yes. Flies too close to the wax. He does. No, no, he flies too close to the sun and melts the wax. Oh, um, yeah, that story makes a lot more sense now, actually. <laughs> Dumbo yes. is an elephant. He, he was, yes. And what does he do? He flies with his bi- giant ears. Yeah. That's from, from the Disney cartoons. Yeah. Disney cartoons are always like really nice versions of really horrible stories. Is there, is there like a story of this murderous elephant that like came out of the trees and jumped on people? Is it like a... Ooh. It's like the... And welcome to the Brothers Grimm story of the murderous tree elephant. I think the thing that that story's missing is what sort of trees are that's a big bamboo. In fact, there's a, there's a lot of in questions. Fact, in fact, they weren't trees at all. They were elephant stilts. You were standing in an elephant stilt forest. Now dance in these red hot shoes. <laughs> um, I want you to explain to me how you could possibly get an elephant to fly. Um, like what impediments y- are using there? one feather? No, 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 using their... Well, the the, fe- the the single feather was the magic feather that w- he never needed. But he didn't need it. He didn't need it. Because he always had the power within um, him all, all the time. Yes. Now, that's there's the key. Yeah. There's the key. Oh, really? They, they, it, 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 it obviously answers itself. Oh, go all right, all right. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. <laughs> No, 
does. It does. It's good. It's, it's, okay. So because he didn't need the feathers, it has nothing to do with the feather. No. And therefore had nothing to do with aerodynamics. He doesn't. <laughs> okay. So, so jumping. That obviously, what they're saying was you don't need the feather. Yeah. You don't need that evolutionary advantage of having scales that became variated and broke up and became feathers. Ah, uh, so it's a metaphor. Yes. Okay. yes. It's, it's, it's deep. It's, it's all these things are always deep. These things are always very very deep. Things. Yeah. Well, there was a different sort of evolutionary change. Dumbo the elephant had gas bladders. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. yes. He, had, he was a very small elephant. He had very big ears. But yep, he was baby full, elephant. He was yes, but he wasn't. He wasn't actually a baby elephant. See, that's what we think he because he was a small elephant. I he, see. He could be a pygmy elephant. You see. Well, no, a pygmy elephant would come from a pygmy elephant mother. Did he? So he must have been a runt, or he was dwarfism, a mutant. He could be a mutant. So he might be the first of a new line of elephants. Now, maybe that's a pretty big genetic change to happen from one generation to the other. Yeah. Maybe his mother was almost light enough to fly with gas bladders inside her mm-hmm. body. Now, elephants eat a lot of grasses and vegetables and things like that. And they have multiple stomachs. No, they don't. They have... No, they're not. <laughs> they don't. No. Pulling back. No. Pulling back. No. They have one stomach. One stomach, and it's massive. And, and it's a very big stomach. And Dumbo could actually keep gas inside it, and yeah. he could actually lift himself with that way. He was he was actually able to lift his weight using gases. Ah, but in the same manner as... Blimps. 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 All right. That's my plan. And his bones were obviously hollow because that's a thing that has to be. His bones were hollow. He has to be pretty, yeah, because they're still strong. You can have, have, like, crisscross things inside the bones. So he had hollow bones and he could actually get lift by the gases, by eating a lot and plugging up his anus and not farting. And then he could zoom off. It's funny you should mention the bones Mm, mm. uh, because birds famously have hollow bones. Yes, that's right. To keep them nice and light. Mm. Elephants have really dense bones, but not not They're Dumbo. Really heavy, not Dumbo. Not Dumbo. He's full of gas. <laughs> but a normal elephant, a yes. juvenile elephant, about that size, yeah, probably weighs about eighty kilos. Right. A cow, ten percent of its weight is its bones. Mm. For an elephant, it's like eighteen percent of its weight is bones. They're really solid. They're because, really thick. Because remember that it's the whole cube law versus the square law. That mm. as the as the size of the animal goes up, you've got to get much much denser. Otherwise, the damn bone will collapse. Mm. So if you double the size of the uh, the animal, it's got to get. Oh, I think it's I think it's nine times as. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe it's wrong there, but it's, it's more dense to hold it up. So it's, the elephants, I mean, there have been bigger animal, uh, animals on land, I mean, dinosaurs on land, and yeah. there've been bigger mammals and elephants on land as well. I can't, I'm, I'm picturing in my head. Imagine a deer, but a very big deer, and 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 I can't remember what it's called. It was one of the megafauna, and it was huge. Ah, oh, I wish I could remember. Anyway, but it, uh, it so there were bigger animals and elephants on land, but they would have had to have seriously solid bones to be able to stand up. Which makes me wonder if, if dinosaurs did have hollow bones, like the big ones, not the theropods, not the first dinosaurs, but mm. the, big, the ones that maybe that was the evolutionary change. But stuff this, and let's have solid bones now, and they wandered around. Talking about like the brachiosaur and those big yeah. thunder lizard kind of things. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, bet, I bet a paleontologist could tell us. We should probably find out that. Yes, we probably we, probably find, we, we have a tamed paleontologist on the payroll. Supposedly, uh, we can ask that. payroll. Yes. So what's your plan, Dan? That's my gas bladders. That's all I'm doing. That's all you're doing. That's all I'm saying. Gas bladders. All right. Well, that's what you want. It flies. It's gas bladders. I know. I think that's pretty good, actually. It's, Thank you. Like, you, I you, had, seem, you seem very dismissive. I, I'm actually just disappointed because I had all these wonderful points to just tear your idea apart, and yes. you've actually just circumnavigated them perfectly, <laughs> like sidestepped them. And I'm like, 
ah, nothing, no, nothing in here is ready for an inflatable hovering <laughs> elephant. That's, 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 that's the first one you'd go for. There you go. There are big birds that can fly, and mm-hmm. in, in the past there have been massive ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hast eagle mm-hmm. you oh, brought yes, my yes, attention yes. to. Do, yeah. do hast. So uh, they got a wingspan like three metres across. They used to eat mowers. Mowers. <laughs> and, a, and a mower was like a monstrous emu. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like one of those deers you were talking about, yeah. dressed as a bird. It's cool. uh, and yet, like a juvenile elephant, mm-hmm. like a little baby elephant, maybe about 75, 80 kilos. Mm-hmm. The Hass eagle, 15 kilos. Oh, wow. So a baby elephant is still five times heavier than that eagle. Wow. Now, I was thinking, yeah, hollow bones, mm-hmm. but the bones in an elephant are like almost twice as dense as a cow's bones. Wow. So it, just to keep it from cr- crushing itself under its weight. Mm. An elephant's ears mm-hmm. are very sensitive, mm. and they use them for heat dispersal. Mainly, yes. So a lot yep. of blood going through the ears. Yes. Now, bird wing is very stiff and structured, mm. and they can alter the shape of their wing because of the feathers. Like That's the yep. brilliant part of feathers, mm. is that they can move their wing to an entirely different shape, mm. and all the feathers will still interlock. So the surface of the wing isn't all crinkled and wrinkly. Yeah, okay. It's all just a nice flat blade, whichever, yep. whichever way you tip, tip it. And that's really important to being able to move around as a bird. Yes, could an elephant do that? Well, they could slap them. Yeah, but I mean I mean yeah, ears really. they 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 need something like a they need to be stiff. Mm. So you could like stick a bone in them, like a bat, Cart- cartilage, maybe cartilage or bone. Mm. Yeah, either see, of these bone, things. See a bone out of nowhere would be really weird. Well, not for a bat. But not, bats don't have bones coming out of their head. No. So they, no. they, they use their fingers. Yeah. So I mean, there are ear bones. Well, yeah. Tiny. <laughs> yeah, they could get really big. But remember that one, the dinosaur, the flying dinosaur they found. When we talked to oh, Dr. Yes. Caitlin Syme, the, the, they, that was cart- they thought that was cartilage, not yeah. bones. So maybe it could yeah. develop that. But still, that's a big big physiological change, says the man who said an elephant has a has gas, a gas bladder. bladder. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, a bird, 20% of its weight... Is its pectoral muscles? Oh wow, the things that flap. Yeah, the the, the chest, the big chest, you need a big chest keel. Yeah, so mm. so so our elephant, our flying elephant, mm. would have to have these giant muscles underneath, like in its cheeks. Yeah, like yeah. attaching its its ears to every its time, every neck. Time, every time it, it bit its mouth, it bit it would go flap. Yeah, It'd be monstrous, It'd be weird. It'd be like a hang glider was attached to its head. <laughs> but it needs to be rigid but able to to move like really gently and delicately. Mm. So it needs a lot of muscles in there. Or yes. blood-filled sacs. Like its entire ear is filled with like penises. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You yeah. know how penis in, uh, yes, penises get engorged with blood? blood. Yeah, well, okay. maybe the ears could get engorged with blood, and that's a thing that happens sometimes. And insects, actually, that when they come out of their chrysalises, so an insect comes out, they pump their wings full of blood, and then that's when they first come out and they bring their wings out, so they can kind of unfurl. That's the first thing they ever do. Yeah. So, that, yeah, so there's something there. And you need to attain a fairly rigid airfoil shape. So it would be about... About eight meters across to carry <laughs> a eighty kilo elephant. So it's, it's a hang glider. What you're creating it's, is a hang glider. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like a distorted hammerhead shark yes. style looking thing. Yeah. Well, I, in my mind now, I have this image of of Dumbo standing there and his wings sit over his back like a beetle's carapace. Yeah. And, and then when he wants to, he flicks them forward and the yeah. blood. Or just or it wouldn't be fast. It'd be like a slow. And the, yeah, uh, inflation and, type of thing. And, and, but they wouldn't flap anymore. We're not talking about flapping wings. They would just, he would just have to leap off something high and glide away. Like he um, well, you, the big big muscles underneath it. Well, I mean, a penis can flex. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's but, a, but it's not muff power. I, in my mind, I'm seeing it more as speak a for yourself. Is, <laughs> in my mind, I see it more as a as a hang glider at this point. I well, can't, the I smallest know. hang glider mm. has a surface area of about twenty meters. Okay, yep. Now there are a bunch of different wing shapes for different birds. Mm-hmm. Big birds like pelicans and vultures have soaring wings that allow yep. them to conserve energy. Yep, with thermals. Uh, yeah, yep. thermal like vultures fly in thermals. Mm-hmm. Albatrosses actually use little tiny mini thermals on all oh, the waves. Okay. Yeah. So. Or not, not so much thermals, but Up, updrafts. Yeah. So the wind mm. sort of goes into a wave and then scoops out of these little ripples on the surface mm. of the ocean, and mm. the albatross can catch them each that's, time. That's pretty cool. That's so amazing. It's, so it's stuff. surfing the wave of the air above the waves. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But Dumbo doesn't really do a lot of soaring. He flies with crows, and mm. crows have elliptical wings, which right. are good for predation in forests and stuff. Okay. So they can really dart around mm. and... Change direction. I wouldn't say he's an agile animal. He would he would be an agile in the air kind of animal. Well, in, surely. The, in the cartoon, he flies around with crows and he lands on telephone wires and stuff. He doesn't do a lot of soaring. He does a lot of mm, flapping and stunt work. Yeah, right. Okay. He's in a circus. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. But it's not not a very loud. The Dumbo, the flying elephant. Yeah. Thank you. Now the now the flying tamers. Please put on the your binoculars and please. <laughs> he's two kilometers in the air over there. That's Don't cool. kill him. It's bad luck for sailors. <laughs> um, it's a, you need to wear an elephant around your neck for the rest of us. That's just really bad news. If he hovered, his ears would have to flap really fast. Mm-hmm. Hummingbirds' wings zip back and forth about fifty times a second. Oof! But they're tiny. Yeah, and their wings are tiny as well. They have an incredibly rapid metabolism. Dumbo would have to eat dense sugar foods uh, enough. <laughs> he'd basically have to eat 20 kilos of sugar a day. So he'd have to be Scottish then. So he's about... Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so about a quarter of his day, <laughs> of, of his weight, a quarter of his body weight a day in sugar. Right. Wow. Which is much less than a hummingbird, which eats, mm. uh, I think, more than its weight in sugar a day. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Once again, the changes, it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, a crow eats about 300 grams of food a day, so that's about a quarter of its body weight. Mm-hmm. That's not sugar, though. Mm. A baby elephant usually drinks about 12 litres of milk. It would probably need to double that intake uh, and add quite a bit of sugar to its diet. Mm. But not cow's milk, because cow's milk is toxic to elephants. Oh, really? Yeah. And probably humans as well. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> And bread. Oh, <laughs> bread. And, you know, all the things that made preservatives and <laughs> croissants. Don't mind me. I'm just not, I'm, I'm always a bit weird about we drink the lactate from for baby cows. I'm still a bit weird about it. I don't know why I find it strange now. As I get older, I get weirder and weirder. I just go, milk is weird. Milk is a weird thing that we all like. We must have more milk. It's, you know, we must have, you're like, oh, in our food pyramids, we must have more milk. And you're like, oh, God, you, no. should, you should listen to it all the time. Dan, please take the udder out of your mouth. It's weird. It's creepy. It's not. It's just normal, Greg. It's, it's, uh, that's... Do you know where the term nanny goat comes from? It, it's it's a girl goat. It's a girl goat. But yeah. why do they call them nanny goats? Oh no, I know. I do know this. You know this? Yes. Um, is it because when they didn't have enough people? Providing milk for wet nurses, ba- ba- wet nurses. Yep, that they would wet nurse onto it. They get a baby and stick him onto a goat. Yes, it's for orphan children. So you'd have orphans. He talked about the uh, 18th century, 19th century, 1850s. He thinking now roughly, and and they didn't have wet nurses. No, they they just filled the orphans. We no one's got to fill the orphans. No. So they got a goat, and people are like you going, you're making this up. I promise, I'm not making this up. And they would take a goat in uh, that just had kids, and they would go, please stand over the cot, and the goat would stand in the cot, and the baby would go suck, suck, suck. 
on the udder yeah. of the goat and they would drink from the milk and seem quite happy. And the goat seemed quite happy and everyone seemed quite happy. There you go. And uh, yes, and what was weird about this, why, why it was orphans and not rich people who did this, because they believed back then that the personality traits of the parent passed through the milk to the baby. So if you were, oh, right. so they took babies off prostitutes and that sort of, or murderers or whatever, females who'd done wrong because they thought, oh, if we feed them milk for that woman, then they'll get that problem. So only poor people would want their child to be raised by a goat because uh, you don't want your. But a goat was better than some other animals, so it's kind of like this kind of. Mm. Oh, well, goat's milk is actually much better for you than cow's milk. Well, there you go. So those kids probably had a massive head start. Yeah, probably not as good as human milk though. Now, for humans. And if I understand, as orphans got older, instead of drinking tea, they would actually just dip a male goat into hot water, and that's why it's called a billy goat. <laughs> That's the first thing we said was true. The second thing we said is lies. <laughs> and very specifically Australian Very Australian joke. joke. That's right, yes. Okay. Now, here's another problem with right. your flying elephant. Okay. Birds have excellent vision. They can, a yes. A hunting eagle can see a rabbit 3,000 metres away. Wow. Okay. 3K. It can go, there's yep. lunch. There's lunch. Okay. I'll be at him in 20 minutes. Elephants, not so much. Aww. Elephants' vision starts to break down. About eight metres in. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. They're, they're um, short-sighted. Yeah. Long-sighted. Yeah, uh, they, yeah, short-sighted. Short-sighted. So, well, not for an elephant. Yep. That's normal for an elephant. <laughs> yeah. We're short-sighted compared to an eagle. Yeah, it's laughing at some bastards but, um, in the sky. But the problem is that if you've got an elephant that's sort of darting through the sky, mm. it kind of needs to know things that are coming at it, like... More than eight meters away. Yes. So yeah. Dumbo would keep running into shit. Well, as long as he, well, if he stayed away from buildings and wires and stuff, how does he, he stay away from telephone? He, he doesn't wires. actually he's... have to. He's an elephant. Oh, he right. would go through he's it just... at speed. Because in your version, he doesn't he's... have hollow bones. No. He's a solid mass. He's a cannonball. He's basically about eighty kilos of elephant. Yep. As long uh, as and then another twenty kilos of breast muscles, un... but yeah. cheek muscles. Yep. Plus a, probably another, I guess, eight or nine. Mm. Well, probably. I'm assuming that weight would have. We've had to take that weight. He'd be a very lean elephant with big ears. But if you want to pull his, as long as he can pull his ears in, because those ears would be quite delicate. He would smash his ears off, like he would bat damage. Oh his yeah, ears. yeah. So you want to pull those back. Now, could he do that in eight meters at the speed he was traveling? Then that's fine. He just pull him up. It's cannonball <laughs> lands and just we inflates his ears off. He goes again. He's fine. Sounds it's very dangerous. Well, for us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so could we actually get an 80-kilo creature off the ground with just beating wings? Hmm. I discovered this amazing thing called the Human Bird Wings Project. <laughs> okay, the wings of this thing, it looks like a basically like a hang glider. The wings mm-hmm. of this thing are around 20 square metres. Right. A guy called Jarno Smeets rigged a contraption in which the motion of his arms is synced to that of a huge pair of wings made of kite fabric. Right. His first successful flight on March 18, he used human bird wings to soar a horizontal difference, a horizontal distance of 100 metres above a park in the Netherlands before crashing hang to on, his death. On. Hold on, is that right? No, wait, it wasn't Jano Smeets. Uh, his name was Floris Kayak. Who looks just like Jono Smeets, but is a Dutch filmmaker and CGI and oh bugger. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're getting this elephant off the ground. Ugh, damn it. Did I just see you and Amadeo chatting? We certainly were. He gave me his number. Jealous. Um, not really. Cause if Amadeo Avogadro has a constant, it's that he'll give his number to anything in a lab coat. 
That's not true. He gave me his number last week. Here. 602-214-141-070-409-084-099-072. You see, he's a total mole. Yeah, but he has great chemistry. <sighs> oh, well. Graham also gave me his number. I'll call him right now. This is, of course, Pim My Time. Greg, I've set you into the machine. Mm-hmm. I've programmed the destinations, the, de- the single destination. Yes, yeah, so thank goodness. Sorry, I split you in two <laughs> like a fly. <laughs> I've sending, sending you back to 750 BC, archaic Greece. You did. Before the euro, before they destroyed their currency. <laughs> right, the drachma and the euro, maybe. You have had a single hour in which mm. to research how you were going to make out like a bandit in this time period. Mm-hmm. Go. I was very excited by this one. I wasn't too... When you gave it to me, I was like, well, what, what is what is archaic Greece? I need to kind of go back and look at that stuff. So I set myself the hour and I started looking at it and I went, oh, this is so good. So I decided <laughs> that I was sent back to Athens. That's where I'd make myself... Well, it's archaic Greece. That's fine. I'll go to Athens. That's yep. the, the city-state of Athens. Yeah. Look, you don't have to be sent to Athens. No. You could land... 100 somewhere away, away and then I just walk there. I would just walk there. So I'm somewhere in archaic Greece. Uh, back then, Greece. Give you was, time to learn the language. But, well, we, we, look, we're not going no, we're there. Not looking, we're not looking We're this, not going there. Not part we, of the... It's part of the time travel is we learn the language and we, people don't just stab us to death and we walk into a room. Uh, we, if, <laughs> like, a witch! A witch! Yeah, yeah, yes. And that was another pimp of time. <laughs> yes. Okay, what am I going to do here? How am I going to make out like a bandit in 750? BC, Archaic Greece. Now, what does that mean, Archaic Greece? Well, Archaic Greece was the start of the city-state. So Athens, Sparta, not necessarily when they all started. The, the, they, the t- point where they started to collect themselves, uh, stop being sort of savage pre, villages, pre-time, like, like the um, pre-history kind of moments, and, and start being the Greece that we kind of know today, the, the city-state concept. So I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty exciting. I don't, hang on, when, when was everything worked out? Like, when was... When was Aristotle? And I had to look it up, and Aristotle was about 360 BC, way after. Ah. Way after me. And I so went... you've got time to oh, read some four-legged flies. Oh, oh, I am I'm in like Flynn. The moment I realised that, I went, I am set. Everything we learn in schools nowadays, if you have any kind of classical education, then you would have learned nearly everything the ancient Greeks knew. And more and yeah. useful stuff. So I got very, very excited. So I, my big plan was to, to rock on up to one of the aristocratic families, which existed at that point. So there uh-huh. were tensions in the city-states between the aristocrats and the workers. And, and everyone was like, oh, problems, problems, problems. So I was like, hi, I'm here. And I would say, I am a very clever fellow. I am a thinker of renown. You've never heard of me. I'm Gregus. And, <laughs> and I've come here to impart enlightenment upon you all. And they go, oh, yeah, how? Show me how. And I was like, okay, how? How am I going to do this? 
So I thought about it. And went, okay, look, the first thing I want to point out is, look, look at the, the, we live on a ball. We live on a ball. And I can prove that we lived on a ball. See, Aristotle said we lived on a round earth. I'm way ahead of him. Yeah. And they'd go, how would you prove that we live on a ball? Crazy man, that guy, Gregor Sky. Ah, look, look at the moon. Look at the moon. Look at the moon. Look at the... It's a circle. Look at the Terminator on the moon, though. The, the line between the dark and the light. Is that a straight line or is that a curved line? It's a curved line. It's a curved line. Because the sun is round and it's... it casts a big light spot on the circle. <laughs> so it's, but it goes around. So it's actually... But it wouldn't, if, that was a, if that was a flat surface, you would have a flat line. So a straight line. So the moon must be a ball. <gasps> Eureka! <That's it. laughs> Not yet! No, don't, okay. you, don't you? They wouldn't have that. Well, they might have. They would have said... I, well, they, I would have said that. You wouldn't have said that. Eureka means I have it. So you don't have... So you have it. I don't know. I, don't, I can't say you have it. Anyway. I, Eureka! <laughs> Someone's reeking at this point. And so but that's really cool. But that doesn't prove the Earth is round. No, it doesn't. No, not at all. Not at all. No, because the moon is a, just a ball that rotates around. Round the plate. Round the plate. That's exactly right. So maybe there's a way of proving that the Earth is also round. And there is. So when you have a lunar eclipse, look, ah, lunar eclipse, lunar eclipse. So I have to wait for these things to happen, of course. Go and yeah. live. You, Gregus, go live in the garden and sod off until so, this stuff happens. So hang on. Just, just, just so we don't gloss over this. Yes. Have you memorized the dates of every lunar eclipse? I have not. So uh, you just have to wait and check the moon. I suppose there's no TV. Well, that's, so, and people love this sort of stuff, so it's fine. I, 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 they'll run and go, Gregos, Gregos, it's, 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 it's the end of the world. I can do all that sort of stuff. I can get all the information. I, so you can see on a lunar eclipse that the shadow between the Earth and the Sun, which sorry, sorry, the, sorry, the Sun and the Earth on the Moon is also a curve. Yeah. So the shadow from the Earth is a curve. So you can actually work out that the Earth is round, or it could be a plate as well. It could just be a flat yeah. plate. But you kind of go, well, that, we know that one's round. So this one's probably round. So it's all starting to come together. But we already know it's round. It's a plate. But no, no, it's, no, it's a ball. It's a ball. It's a ball. Why could it not be a plate? Ah, because look out to sea, strange man who's very interested in me. Uh, look out to sea. When the ships go over the horizon, yeah. they disappear hull first. And then you have the mast, which disappears. It's going over a curve. They're too far away for me to see. You can definitely see it. You can, what are you talking about? They're it's tiny. Six, it's 16 kilometers away. Easy, easy peasy. What's a kilometer? Stadium, then. Sorry, stadia. There you go. You want to? You want, oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you can right. definitely see it. You can also, and you can get further up. You could do experiments. You go. Let's start here on the ground and put a send a man out and put a marker on the ground. So and tell him stand over there until you can't see him anymore. Just go like, on a big flat ground, not, not forests and things. Yeah. And then you go, okay, stand where you are, and now climb up a really tall thing like a mountain and see if you can see him, and you'll, he'll be further away from the horizon now. He'll be, seem closer to you than he was before because you can see further around the curve of the planet. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was exciting. And then I realized I can steal um, Aristarchus's idea of just pointing out the distance to the Earth to the moon by using trigonometry. So you can, if you, I love this thing. If you looked at the moon, the half moon, so when, the, when half the moon is black and half the moon is, is, is light, mm -hmm. so that means that, the, that the, the Earth, where you are, and the, on the Earth and the moon are all lined up because you've got a straight line. Yeah. And yeah. that means the sun, you got a, that means you've got a right angle triangle between the sun, the moon, and the Earth. Sure do. You've got this, you've got this, you can now start working out using trigonometry the relative distance between the Earth and the Moon and the Moon and the Sun. You can't work out the actual distance, but you can say, looking at the Earth-Moon arm of the, the right-angle triangle, you can compare that to the Moon-Sun arm of the triangle and work out how many times it is. It's about 400 times the distance between the two. So we can work that out. The, the distance, the, whatever, whatever the distance between the Earth and the Moon is and the Moon and the, and the, moon and the Sun. 
which makes the Earth and the Sun, if you want to put it that way, because you can work out with trig. <laughs> He's thinking hard. It's trigonometry. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to figure it's out. It's a right angle triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd, so you'd figure out the angle that the Sun is yes. from you. Yes. That's, I didn't say that. Sorry, I didn't mention that. I should have mentioned that point. So you have it. You know that it's a right angle between you and the Earth and the Moon and the Moon and the Sun, yep. and the other angle is between so, you and the Sun. You can measure that that with a, with a. So you get a big protractor. It doesn't have to be a big one. It has to be close to your eyes. Big, yeah, but a big, big one's probably a bit easier. Or more fun as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, comedy props. Comedy props always good. Comedy yes. props. Yes. And you line it up so you protract in front of you, and the moon is at ninety, like it's dead center. You can point one of the arms at yep. the moon yep. and one of the arms at and the then sun, you, and then you get your eye down at the center and you look out at the sun, not for too long, obviously, no, no, or at no. least squint. Yes. And <laughs> and you figure out what that number is. Yes. And that number tells you the ratio. Okay, cool. And the I got problem, it. I got it. The problem here is that number is going to be very close to ninety. This is where the Egyptians. Besides the Egyptians, the Greeks had the same problem. It's very close because the, the sun is a very long way away, so the angle is going to be very, very, very small. So when they made their calculations, they made them incorrectly because they said it was eighty-seven degrees, but it wasn't. It's like it's like eighty-nine point something. But it's valuable information because it does tell you that it's not forty-five degrees. Yes. Yo, no. Wait it's, a second. If we think about this, it means that the really, sun is a really, really long way really away. away. Now here's the okay. I'm I'm excited about this already. But then I went. Wait, I just use trigonometry because I know trigonometry from yeah, school. Yeah, it's easy. But when was trigonometry worked out? Oh, it'd be, what, 300? B? 550 BC. 200 years from my point. <sighs> so I can, I'm, I'm ahead of Pythagoras. Two pi r, all, like, right angle triangles. <laughs> I've just stolen Pythagoras' thunder. I'm like, hi, I'm here to tell you about pi. I'm going to tell you about circles. And they oh. love that stuff. They love squaring circles. They love, they tried to. They loved all this stuff. They thought it was brilliant. They, they, I'd be, I'm way ahead of everyone at this point. I'm so many hundreds of years. And then I can also, I realize that unfortunately we're in Greece, but then uh, in um, 210 roughly BC, Aristosthenes worked out the circumference of the earth by knowing that that in Cyrene in Egypt, on the Tropic of Cancer, at midday, the sun was directly above as well. Oh, that's look, good to know. Look straightly down. I know where to go, but it's not in Greece. It's in Greece in the future. It's future Greece. At the moment, it's not. It's part of another. It's part of Egypt. It's somewhere else. Oh, right. So I'd have to go there and to prove it. We have to get to the Tropic of Cancer. So I could prove it in my lifetime. Or Capricorn. Or Capricorn would be a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, but Tropic of Cancer is closer. So I have <laughs> basically proven that I'm pretty awesome by... Pointing out the stars, I can talk about you know, I can talk about planets and things. And I can prove. I talk about atoms, things broken down. I can't prove it, but you know, the indivisible points of matter, which mm-hmm. is already ideas. That that'd get yeah. people. You're teaching about string theory? Uh, no, I'm not talking about bloody string theory. I can't. No, <laughs> look, I don't mind if they can prove it. They can't prove it. I can't. The even... Greeks, this is 750 BC. Of course, they're not going to be able to prove it. No one can prove nothing. Anyway. But okay, that's all. The, that's just the people go. Oh, he's a learned man. He's a clever fellow. Look yeah. at this amazing stuff. So basically, just, that's how I, they make so that's me. That's your cachet. That's I'm like I work with you, aristocrats, and you give me all the money because I'm like all maths up. Like no one's been like, oh, he's all maths up. Now I'm pretty. I, there, there's not really been another part of time where just pure maths has been so yes. Influential and so highly regarded, I guess in Persia. Yeah, they and there were, there were, there were, I think in the past there were. I mean, clever people. Yeah. Even I, I guess NASA. I think it's pretty important. Yeah, too. And, and people. We we just don't. The average person or, and kings. The European and Space Agency, not so much. But NASA, <laughs> they're very big into getting their maths it. right. The, one of the problems with the city states was they didn't communicate. The communication was a big problem as well. You had to run a guy, a marathon, no less. Oh. You had to run a guy and go. <laughs> 
sir, the Spartans are... Oh, I'm just pooped. Excuse me. I was like, Jesus, I just ran 42 kilometres. Jesus. And What's like, a kilometre? <laughs> what <is> kilometres <laughs> you keep talking about? <laughs> stadium. I can't, I can't convert kilometres to stadium in my head. <laughs> Sorry, I should, but I can't. Anyway, so they ran... Yeah, there's a piece of information. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have plenty of time to learn that. When I get there, I'll get it. So the, well, actually, um, there's no way to look it up then once no, you get there. No, well, they'll just go... I could probably just go, well, I know how big a, a metre is. I can, I can step out a metre. I could walk a step a thousand metres and go, what would you call this? They'd go, we call that get nicked. Uh, get a job. Stop walking. Like Keep this. going. <laughs> yes, you've walked a kilometre, whatever that is. That's, I think that means idiot far away. They couldn't communicate very well. They had to run people around, horsebacks, that sort of stuff. It's slow. Like, armies come and you were like, la, 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 tilling a field and suddenly stabbed in the buttocks by a bastard who's come to kill you because mm-hmm. you weren't told. Well, yeah. oh, no, everyone's around the circles. If you could communicate over long distances with in, um, and get information between the city-states, you could start joining them all together and in an actual empire. Ooh, yes. Semaphore towers. Uh-huh. The semaphore line. It's a bit of technology. I'm stealing it from Terry Pratchett, I must admit, the class. Yeah. But I didn't mind. So you could build semaphore towers, or Lord of the Rings with blighting fires. But a, a fire, great. Woomph, there's a fire. Someone's coming from somewhere, or, or maybe, who knows. But you could have just... Two arms, two big wooden arms, and you pull them into a position. Building semaphore is not hard. I mean, semaphore, you, you keep one hand in one position, and you go round the clock, A, B, C, D, each one a different location. Then you move it to the next position, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. It's pretty easy to do. You can make up your own semaphore system. Yeah. And you could, com- you could communicate semaphore as long as you could see from point to point. Now, that would have to be a fort. You'd probably have a... Like, you go on top of this mountain, we're going to have a fort, yep. we're going to have some hoplites with a new aspis, and, you know, yep. and they protect the, the clacks. <laughs> they connect the semaphore tower, and you have semaphore connecting all the great parts of the world at that point. Ah. Be, kind of like an internet, quickly, yeah. but ba- back in the Greeks. And I, they, they think I was awesome. I'd be like, Leonardo. look, Perusius, I can see a ship going over the horizon. That's, How can you see that? It's really far away, and it's you, really small. You can see... You, oh. I explained that before. Semaphore Tower. That's my new... I think it's a really big game changer. If you gave them semaphore technology, so they could all... They can communicate across the city with each other and between city-states. Because city-states that can talk to each other has been shown not to want to murder each other quite as much. If if you rely on each other for money and, and you understand they're just like you... Like if someone went, we're going to nip over there and murder them. And someone in, in, let's say, in Sparta went, oh, they're going to go murder the Athenians. They're coming. They go, (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry. oh damn and they go oh, okay thanks for telling us it's like oh they know we're coming oh, damn it and everyone goes ah, yeah. it's that kind of stop it why are yeah. you doing that I think mutually the, assured sort of yeah, oh, no, yeah, no, no, really no. It's, it's just it's just cooperation yeah. you can't trick someone you can't suddenly go knock knock who is it no it's it's, it's not the spark they are just Vasha women from yeah, yeah. Uh, from, 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 apparently. from Transylvania, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my... I'm very excited. That's so there my you go. best goth. <laughs> my best Visigoth. Oh, right. So there's my idea. I would basically steal everything that Aristotle taught. But, oh, but all the, and a couple of things that Terry Pratchett did. And to, but actually, even better, I would point out, by the way, this guy called Aristotle's come along. He's an idiot. Don't listen to a word he says. He should be killed. <laughs> oh, like, point, I just point out things like... no. The first baby who is named Aristotle, the legend, the only legend, <laughs> the predictive legend. He's probably going to bite me in the ass at some point, but the only legend. <laughs> no, I'd be like Leonardo da Vinci, I just, except I can't draw. So no one would ever know. They go, he just he just ranted a lot and lived in a pot. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Though. You sent me to a great one. And I was he like, was always jumping out of his bathtub. <laughs> That's right. He really smelled too. He kept telling everyone. 
I don't think that word meant what he thought he meant. <laughs> but that's right. Thank you for sending back to Archaic Greece. I think I would do very well. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm glad you're in high spirits. Yes. And so, I'm sure there'll be no retribution. No, well, <laughs> now you, Dan. Yes. You, you're going to get sent back to the Caribbean. Hooray! Uh, a lovely Caribbean. Oh, thank goodness. After the, after the freaking 1920... Ge- the audience really turned no, they really, like No one seems to be going with me on the help Germany win the war thing. <laughs> no one at all. Like uh, a lot of people took a front. Listeners, we got so many emails, tweets, everything. We had, so, we had people write in, people send in recordings. We've had all sorts of exciting answers to Dan helping the Nazis win World War II. So, uh, yes. So, Dan, you're being sent to the Caribbean. Excellent. Brilliant. Oh, the, finally some rest the, and recuperation. The island of Hispaniola. Sounds beautiful. Sounds idyllic. In 1485. Son of a bitch. Did Greg get it right? Did he miss something obvious? No. Record something on your phone. A nice little quick little message about what you'd do if you were sent back to 750 BC in archaic Greece. Now, we've had two different people send in their own recordings based on the last one. Sending if you were sent to 1920 Germany. And neither of them Agree with Dan helping the Third Reich. Let's have a listen. So if I were to find myself in Germany in 1920, I'd make my way to England and find the Electrical Research Association, which had just been founded that year. Make friends with some people there and introduce them to the concept of the transistor. Transistor is two kinds of semiconductor in a sandwich in three parts, a negatively charged, positively charged, and negatively charged, or vice versa. And the great thing about this idea is I don't actually have to introduce all that much in the way of knowledge. They already had diodes. Those were invented in 1906. So they knew how to make the semiconductors. And they already had vacuum tubes. So they already knew about electrical switches. A transistor is just an electrical switch made out of semiconductors. So all I have to do is bring in the basic concepts, which I can easily uh, summarize in an hour. And uh, that'll give them a leg up. What if they can keep it secret for 16 years? They'll be able to crack the Enigma code with electronic computers instead of electromechanical computers. So that's what James Redekop thinks he would do if he was sent back to 1920s Germany. He would create the electronic computer. Now, Michael Barnes has also recorded on his phone what he would do. Initiate 60-minute countdown. Okay, what's an invention that revolutionised the world that also made elephant bucks? Well, uh, oh, here it is, 1928. Scottish biologist steals credit for Australian scientists Howard Florey's development of the drug penicillin. All right. First one I need to get out of Germany. Uh, uh, if I front up to the British Embassy, located at 7 Willemstrab, known as the Palais de Strasbourg, I'll provide information that would suggest I have inside knowledge of UK politics, enough to get me out of Germany. All right, once there, uh, I'll buy a bunch of mouldy rock melons. I'll collect the blue-green fuzzy mould from them. Oh, that's right, there was an I09 article on how to make your own penicillin. I think I've bookmarked it. Where is that? In case of the apocalypse, here's how to make penicillin in your kitchen. 500 mils of cold tap water, 44 grams of lactose monohydrate, 25 grams of cornstarch, 3 grams of sodium nitrate, quarter of a gram magnesium sulfate, half a gram of potassium phosphate, Two and a half grams of glucose monohydrate, yeah, very 44 milligrams of zinc sulfate, magnesium sulfate, then that enough cold tap water to make one litre. 
and adjust the pH to between 5 and 5.5. Yeah, shouldn't be too difficult. Okay, once it's St. Mary's, make sure I show you this penicillin's effectiveness by treating mice infected with bacteria such as Staphylococcus. This was the step that Fleming overlooked. Oh, okay. In 1940, Flory had not patented penicillin, as he'd been advised by Sir Henry Dale that doing so would be unethical. However, I'm doing this in 1920, so I think patenting penicillin would be okay. What else? I might suggest that the UK's Special Intelligence Service keep an eye out for an Australian operating clothing factory in Germany. Treason! Treason! <laughs> I call treason! Uh. Both of them just f***ed up across the channel! <laughs> they did! Well, to the Allies, back to the people they love so much. To the Allies? Yes. To, to the, the enemy! To the Oh, I see, you're to Germany! You're not German, Dan, you just happen to be in Germany. I, 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 I immediately found... That was my. That was where I was living, that's where I chose... Yeah, it's commonality. Well, you didn't commonality. have to live there, you could have left! Yeah, you could have gone uh, to the... It's not I, that far away, I'm, it's just through France. People found it very easy to go through France at that point. Everyone was just moving through France. Oh. It's, like a, it's like a highway to move through. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm so sorry, Frog Princess. It's all in the shade. Um, the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? Those guys were not particularly pimping their time, though, were they? No. Well, Both of them went over there with the express idea to win the war. That's... You know what else happened to the people who used science to win the war? They were they were killed by their government. That's like all this stuff was hidden. Well, some of it, a lot of it was. Yes. They didn't live like pimps. No, that's true. It's true. I'm living like Hugo Boss, baby. <laughs> I'm living until, like the guy from VW. Until you're shot in the head by or taken in front of like who who saved the war effort? It was that guy over there. Thank you very much to Michael and James for recording and coming in. That's what we want, ladies and gentlemen. Put us in our place. Come up with your great ideas. We know the listeners of this podcast are really, really clever. We want to hear your ideas. There's a voice memo thing on your smartphone. Record it straight away when you have the great idea. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a great story. Preferably not long. <laughs> Just get in contact with us. Send it to us. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. If you were sent back to 750 BC in Greece, what would you do? Walk of shame! Walk of shame! Oh, Dan, walk of shame. I've got a couple here for you, actually. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, there you that, go. That, that's, not, that's not normal. I don't have any for you. Was it? Oh, really? That's, that, is, that is actually pretty weird. I must be being very quiet. Obnoxiously. Uh, yes. I don't like this at all. Now, right. uh, Michael Barnes, who recorded this message from, for the uh, Pit My Time, yeah. points out that Dan gave himself 16 years before World War II, before he wants to sell peroxide to Jews, but Kristallnacht wasn't until 1938, so he diddled himself out of two years to get ready. I'm not sure if it's a walk of shame. You would have got there and gone, oh, World War II didn't start. I must have just got the wrong year. I'll wait a couple more years. Oh, it's two years' time. Yeah. You have more time. Or I would have gone... Oh, I should never have stepped on that butterfly. <laughs> You've changed everything. Now, the other one, Chris Anderson has written in to say this is the second time he's very disappointed with you. Uh-oh. Mr. Anderson is very disappointed with you. In Podcast 93, says Chris Anderson, mm-hmm. Dan described an experiment that concluded rats were capable of empathy. In the experiment, pulling a lever dispensed a chocolate while also shocking another rat. The researchers found some rats would forgo the chocolate perhaps to avoid shocking their buddy rat. I remember this thing we talked yeah. about. Yeah. When Dan described the experiment, he repeatedly indicated the victim rat was electrocuted rather oh, than shot. No. After some in-depth research on my part, googling and half-heartedly skimming a few results in some popular science blogs, the shocked rats weren't killed, just shocked, as 
Dan is aware, electrocution means death by electric shock. Now, now it gets nasty. That's fine. Now it's now it's getting serious. Now, sadly, this is the second time Dan has been pulled up for this in the walk of shame. He was full of remorse the first time. If he is similarly remorseful this time, perhaps he should demonstrate his contrition by subjecting himself to some kind of entertaining electricity-based experiment. Whether he is shocked or electrocuted can be his choice. Your humble servant, Chris. Actually, I don't feel so bad about it. Why is that? But everyone knows you that don't, electrocution you don't. means dead. Electrocution means dead. You, but you said the rat was electrocuted. Yeah, so I made a mistake. It's a little tiny mistake. No one's going like, to... It's not an issue. <laughs> you know what? I don't now, feel guilty about it at all. Can we... Can we come, I'm I'll, starting not to care. Can I just point out that that's what... They, Chris Anderson is a Canadian, and that just steps up. He A Canadian wants to electrocute you, man. That's, I'm just pointing that out. That's a bold... That's, 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 and people say, why have a problem with Canadians? They're all smiles ah. until someone's attached with electrodes, mainly Dan... I'm, look, and I'm happy to do it, Chris, if Dan will just sit still long enough. But... F*** that. <laughs> but I must, this is the point. I, I agree with Chris. He's technically correct, which is the best sort of correct. But is the language changing? Is electrocution meaning a shock nowadays? Do you want to, do you want to know one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life? Is I saw that's going to be a big list. It's a, it's a long and dirty list. But there was a, 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 like a bed lamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no bulb in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's no bulb in there. Like, if that's plugged in and it's on, that yes. could be really dangerous. Yes. What if it's plugged in and turned on? I stuck my finger in uh, and shocked myself. <laughs> I Damn can... near electrocuted myself. <laughs> I can give you a very similar story. This is at work, working with a, a Wimshurst machine. So a Wimshurst machine is it, you can crank it and it generates an electrical spark that jumps between two, two uh, electrodes. <laughs> so it's a big end. And so I'm cranking this thing up and it's not sparking and it's not sparking and it's not sparking. I couldn't, it's like, oh, I had to use this in front of kids. It's going to be really hard. You've got to get it to spark. And I reach, this is, this is in front of all my colleagues. I reach forward to see what's wrong and get zapped. Like, a, a nasty blast. Uh-huh. Oh, and get, get a zap. Ah! And then my first response was, that shouldn't have happened, and did it again. <laughs> all my colleagues, including my boss, were watching me. They went, and I went, ah, it got me again. And they were like, of course it did. Why? I just didn't, I thought it would have discharged for the first time. They went, why would you, it's got Leyden jars. Why would you put you, and I, went, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it was pretty sad. Anyway, so oh, we, I was shocked, not electrocuted. not electrocuted. Thank you to Chris. Now, Dan, in the not the last uh, last podcast podcast. Oh, is that, this is a third one. This is this is a <laughs> we have a third one. We, we talked about average male height, and I said that the average male height. I said I was average average human male. I'm, I'm five five foot nine inches, yeah. and you went rubbish. Yeah. Uh, the average human male was five foot eleven inches. Yeah. And so I was wrong. I'm actually a short ass, and you're quite tall and beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's what you were implying. It was, this was sent in by a number of people. So I'm not going to give one name. Yeah. Lots of people sent this in, pointing out that actually in Australia, the Australian Bureau of Statistics states that 2011 and 2012 reports, the average Australian man, 18 years and over, was neither 5 foot 9 inches nor 5 foot 11 inches, but 175.6 centimetres tall, because we live in a metric country. So we're both actually wrong. Uh, the, uh-huh. So we're not actually five foot nine or five foot eleven. It's one hundred and seventy-five point six centimeters. But if you do the conversion, yeah. it's actually five foot nine point one inches. How much is that in stadia? <laughs> 
So unfortunately, Dan, though we were both wrong, I was less wrong than you. I am actually average human height. And even in... I went and checked this myself. American statistics, it's the same again. It's not just Australians with short asses. So the average human height, male human height, 18 and over, is 5 foot 9 inches, or actually 175.6 centimetres. Didn't they put that in after the credits? Does that... Should that count? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> You were so, you were so, actually, Greg, if you, if you have, because I wasn't going to go in the podcast, it was beforehand. <laughs> if listen, you, they listen to everything. If you hear Greg make a mistake. And I do. Please do send an email to dan at smartenough.org. And when Dan invariably stuffs up, you send it to greg at smartenough.org. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other voice is Greg, also at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter, SE2KB. And Facebook, SE2KB. And, of course, you can go along to iTunes and review, subscribe, and rate us. You can also go onto Facebook and do what the guy did when we had the controversial person, not really, but John Cook talking about climate denial and yelling at us about how we're stupid and don't know anything. That was fun. I mean, that that is the crux of the podcast. We're (laughs) stupid and we don't know anything. And we need you guys to set us straight. So, of course, as we said, if we've made a walk of shame, tell us what our walk of shame is. If you want to send in a walk of shame intro song, do that. If you have saved someone heroically using science, then send that story into us because we want to know if you could become a member of our our most excellent order of smart enough, no better. The night spatula. And if you want us to actually turn up and perform at your event, check out our for hire page on the website. But most exciting of all... This was episode 97 oh, of Smart cre- Better. We're creeping up on that arbitrary number that we're talking about a lot. 100. And guess what? What? I got us a venue. Oh, my thank goodness. Well, phew. We are putting on a live show at the Powerhouse Theatre in Brisbane, Australia. In Brisbane, Australia, yes. on the 1st of September. That's a Tuesday evening. Yes. It will be at 7 p.m. on the Turbine platform. It is a free show. We're just paying for it out of our own money, and we're going to get everyone to come along. We need you to come along, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We need people to tell exciting things they know about science. It's we very important. We want an audience full of smart people. Absolutely. Because it's, a, it's going to be an interactive show. We're going to be, we need you to come along, and we think about, if you do come along, start thinking about interesting facts that you know. Science facts, any fact, as long as it's something that's true and something that is uh, interesting as well. We need that sort of stuff. And you might win fabulous prizes. There will be fabulous prizes, by the way. Yes. I'm organising prizes now. <gasps> so come along on the 1st of September to the Brisbane Powerhouse Theatre. Turbine stage. For free. For free. It's free. How do we afford it? We don't actually know. On a completely unrelated note, Smart Enough to Know Better are looking for sponsors for their 100th episode. <laughs> Funny. Laugh. You're still not a joke, yeah. actually. If you would like to sponsor the podcast, the 100th episode, we will be so glowing about whatever your product or service That's is. Right. Unless yeah. it's unless it's some sort of woo-related thing. No. Like, look, you know what? I'll oh, step up. You want to okay. bring uh, you want to bring your, uh, your Perspex hologram pyramids to me, I will do a complete 160. A 160? Well, I'm not quite a 180. He won't get all the way back. Don't, don't, don't pick apart, oh, mate. Oh, this, oh, okay. This is my... Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, oh, good, good. Okay, that's fine. Yes. And as we always like to say, Eurasians. No. Eureka! Oh, damn Eureka it! Eureka is the... Oh.
I am going to be talking about questions. <laughs> 16,000 kilometres a second? Yes. Are you sure about I'm that? I'm hoping so now. I'm 25 kilometres a second. Really? Oh, and that's a very oh, different hang on, number. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just, let me just check that. Hang on. I probably, maybe I added too many zeros on that. <laughs> Hang on. How yeah. many? How many zeros are too many zeros? One zero is well, too many well, zeros. Right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. two hundred and fifty kilometers per second is also vastly different to twenty-five kilometers per second. I know. Hang on. Maybe it's sixteen thousand kilometers per year. Whoa. Okay. Hang on. How fast does light go per second? Uh, much faster than that. One by ten to the eight meters a second. How fast does light go in a second? Oh, it's twenty-five kilometers per second. It's not 25 kilometers. <laughs> it's got one of them times 10 to the 8th. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's heaps. It, oh, God, I hate doing this maths. Oh, it's yeah, 29 yeah, yeah. billion metres per second or 29 million kilometres yeah. per second. Oh, that's yeah. heaps. That's yeah, yeah. super fast. Yeah. I, I got mixed up with my uh, kilometres per hour and my kilometres per second then. That was pretty bad. 60% of the time over 28% of the time. So what, what? Hang on. What? Sixty-eight <laughs> percent of the time of of, of up talkers. Sixty percent of women. Yes, twenty-eight percent of the time. Twenty. No. Six, so why? There's two. Sorry. St- there's two statistics. Are very uh, confusing. Yeah. It was. They were confusing when they were, when I wrote them down. They're not going to get any better from that point. <laughs> you may have heard in the past of the Flynn effect. Uh, the Errol Flynn effect. The, the, no, he was a total. Not even then. Was it? A- was. I was going to say no to it. No, they, uh, James Flynn, actually. But have you heard of the Flynn effect before? Was he a c- <laughs> I, Maybe we should start. We should probably start again. <laughs> Dad, use like three chords and people yelling poop. 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 Tell us when to go. Hit it. Did I just... Stop, stop, stop. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> God, what am I employing you for? Sexy pillow fight? Yay! Go into a special folder for me. <laughs> um, 